The Synod on Synodality has begun in earnest. It marks the kickoff of a two-year process in the Church of the New Advent, a process that will bring the laity's voice and beliefs front and center into the Church. It's clearly a measure meant to stop the freefall in vocations, use of the sacraments, and faithful adherence to the rule and life of faith in the Church. But in reality, it's just another big giveaway to the values of the world, a pinching of incense to the spirit of the age, which Paca Papa Francis has said we must acknowledge and listen to. Today we're going to talk about the implications of the Synod, what its focus really is, and what the new church Francis wants for us all will actually look like, according to the early working document of the Synod. Now, fair warning, the documents that guide the Synod at the start don't often look like the final product, but they do give a clear indication of the intent of the modernists working behind the scenes. So let's have a look at this hot mess as it unfolds and read between the lines of what they've given us. Perhaps nothing has symbolized the process being undertaken in this synod more than some images that have come out of Germany over the weekend. Out of the parish of the Nativity of Mary in Aschwenberg, Germany, images have circulated of an altar being constructed, or rather shaped, out of a pile of dirt, which was literally trucked into the parish and dumped onto the floor. I never thought anything would make a Novus Ordo Cramner table altar look like an improvement, but I guess I needed a reminder that I can always be wrong about even the most basic of things. Now, what was the reasoning behind this altar of dirt? The Laudato Sea topic, of course, or rather, in this case, the Pac-Man Mama. This altar is meant to represent that whole bundle of issues, and while I could go into that in a lot of detail, I'm not going to bother, suffice to say that this pile of dirt represents what we got out of the Amazon Synod, and before that, the Synod that brought us Amoris Laetitia. There is no indication that we won't get more of the same out of the Synod on Synods, or as Matt Gaspers of Catholic Family News has dubbed it, the St. Gallen Synod, which is a de facto Third Vatican Council. The working document has a lot of proposals in it, but at the core of it is this. The Synod kicks off a two-year process where the laity will be elevated as a body to the same level as the bishops. It's the old era of collegiality, but amplified times 100. Collegiality was a rejected heresy that said four basic things. One, the Pope has no divine authority to interfere in temporal affairs. Two, the authority of a general council is superior to that of the Pope. Three, the ancient liberties of the local churches are to be held sacred. And four, papal decisions are not infallible without the consent of the church. In practice, it meant that groups of bishops together had the same authority as the Pope. In our modern times, we see it spelled out in an even greater error, the idea that because the laity have received the Holy Spirit at baptism and confirmation, the laity, the will of the laity, are on the same footing as that of the hierarchy. From section 1.3 of the working document, we get this, which spells this out. Quote, The church recognizes that synodality is an integral part of her very nature. Being a synodal church finds expression in ecumenical councils, synods of bishops, diocesan synods, and diocesan and parish councils. There are many ways by which we experience forms of synodality already across the church. Yet being a synodal church is not limited to these existing institutions. Indeed, synodality is not so much an event or a slogan as a style and a way of being by which the church lives out her mission in the world. The mission of the church requires the entire people of God to be on a journey together, with each member playing his or her crucial role, united with each other. A synodal church walks forward in communion to pursue a common mission through the participation of each and every one of her members. The objective of this synodal process is not to provide a temporary or one-time experience of synodality, but rather to provide an opportunity for the entire people of God 
to discern together how to move forward on the path towards being a more synodal church in the long term. One of the fruits of the Second Vatican Council was the institution of the Synod of Bishops. While the Synod of Bishops has taken place up until now as a gathering of bishops with and under the authority of the Pope, the Church increasingly realizes the synodality is the path for the entire people of God. Hence, the synodal process is no longer an assembly of bishops, but a journey for all the faithful, in which every local church has an integral part to play. The Second Vatican Council reinvigorated the sense that all the baptized, both the hierarchy and the laity, are called to be active participants in the saving mission of the Church. The faithful have received the Holy Spirit in baptism and confirmation, and are endowed with diverse gifts and charisms for the renewal and building up of the Church, as members of the body of Christ. Thus, the teaching authority of the Pope and the bishops is in dialogue with the census fidelium, the living voice of the people of God. The path of synodality seeks to make pastoral decisions that reflect the will of God as closely as possible, grounding them in the living voice of the people of God. It is noted that collaborating with theologians, lay, ordained, and religious, can be a helpful support in articulating the voice of the people of God expressing the reality of the faith on the basis of a lived experience. End lengthy quote. Anytime you see anything about a lived experience, you should be cautious when it comes to matters of the church. I don't have a real a strong opinion one way or the other about things outside the church, but when it comes to the church, be wary. As well as the given the state of the lay theologians, be very wary. But what all that lengthy quote means is this, that in each country, the church in that country will be more free and independent from Rome than ever before. And the laity will be direct to a certain degree the affairs of the church. This includes the census fidelium itself, the sense of the faith. If you need a concrete example of what all that means, here's one that you, anybody can understand. Remember Humanae Vitae. Look, I'm no fan of Paul VI, but I'll give him credit for rejecting the zeitgeist or spirit of the age of his day by issuing that document, and perfect as that document is. But the bishops and the laity of the church largely ignored it, sometimes explicitly as in the case of the Canadian bishops, who told the laity to ignore Paul VI's hard words in Humanae Vitae. In our time, this could look like any number of issues, but most likely it would have to do with the James Martin topic, or the Moloch topic, or any number of other topics the world pressures the church to change its teaching on. The church would not do so formally, because the church cannot change its teachings, but this mechanism is one way to de facto change what the church professes to teach. The mind boggles at the possibilities. An explicit theme of the Synod is communion and participation. That by itself lends a clue as to why Francis and the St. Gallen Club detest traditional Catholicism. The traditional faith understands the church and the world in a hierarchical sense. While the modern layperson often cites his personal conscience and a sequestering of his faith into the private life, while living like the rest of the world every day other than on Sundays when they're out in public, traditionally we profess the social reign of Christ the King, with the world being subordinate in all things to our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. After all, his name is the one to which every knee shall bend, right? A whole host of modern values comes into conflict with this hard teaching of the Church, to the point that at Vatican II it was rejected. This was one of Archbishop Lefebvre's main breaking points with the Vatican and the Council. He even wrote a book on the subject called They Have Uncrowned Him, and he doesn't hold back in his assessment of what has come to be in the Church. Now, we live in the time when this is being pushed to its logical conclusion, with the elevation of the laity to the same level of the bishops, both as separate bodies. The result will be the functional elimination of ecclesiastical power in the Church, and weirdly a distortion of papal power if a pope is elevated to the papacy who knows how to wield popular sentiment like some lay politician. It's really quite amazing to think about the possibilities. 
We see this hinted at in this section from the working document. Quote, Participation. A call for the involvement of all who belong to the people of God, laity, consecrated, and ordained, to engage in the exercise of deep and respectful listening to one another. This listening creates space for us to hear the Holy Spirit together and guides our aspirations for the church of the third millennium. Participation is based on the fact that all the faithful are qualified and are called to serve one another through the gifts they have received from the Holy Spirit. In a synodal church, the whole community, and the free and rich diversity of its members, is called together to pray, listen, analyze, dialogue, discern, and offer advice on making pastoral decisions which correspond as closely as possible to God's will. Genuine efforts must be made to ensure the inclusion of those at the margins who, or who feel excluded, end quote. Except for many poopoo-headed trads, of course. Now, this is a direct contradiction of the hierarchical nature of the church, and yet this is what the ape of the church is pushing as the new direction for the church. As Francis said, we must change the church, not build a new one. But the result will be that if he changes the church in this way, it will be a different church, full stop. Now, I promise you, I'll continue to monitor the synod as it progresses. The next year, we'll focus on the local level of synods, both at the diocesan and parish level, as well as the national bishops' conferences. I recommend that you attend these meetings if you can. I've said this numerous times already, so you know the drill by now. But I want to leave you with this. The words of St. Athanasius, who dealt with plenty of heresies in his time and the followers of the archheretic Arius. Our time is often compared to his, and our mess in the church today is compared to the one that he faced in his time which had been seen as the worst in history of the church until now. Here is St. Athanasius' famous words to the laity. I hope you find them helpful. Now, the famous letter of St. Athanasius to his flock during the crisis of Arius. May God console you. What saddens you is the fact that others have occupied the churches by violence, while during this time you are on the outside. It is a fact that they have the premises, but you have the apostolic faith. They can occupy our churches, but they are outside the faith. You remain outside the places of worship, but the faith dwells within you. Let us consider what is more important, the place or the faith, the true faith, obviously. Who has lost and who has won in this struggle, the one who keeps the premises or the one who keeps the faith? True, the premises are good when the apostolic faith is preached there. They are holy if everything takes place there in a holy way. You are the ones who are happy, you who remain within the church by your faith, who hold firmly to the foundations of the faith which has come down to you from apostolic tradition. And if an execrable jealousy has tried to shake it on a number of occasions, it has not succeeded. They are the ones who have broken away from it in the present crisis. No one ever will prevail against your faith, beloved brothers, and we believe that God will give us our churches back some day. Thus, the more violently they try to occupy the places of worship, the more they separate themselves from the church. They claim that they represent the church, but in reality, they are the ones who are expelling themselves from it and going astray. Even if Catholics faithful to tradition are reduced to a handful, they are the ones who are the church of Jesus Christ. Let me know what you've thought about all this in the comments, please, and please consider attending the synodal meetings in your parish and diocese, not out of respect for their process or validity, but out of love for the church and to defend the faith. But when you do, please treat the bishops and those in authority there with respect, otherwise you'll be just talking to a wall. And feel free to send me developments as they happen in your diocese or country. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.